1: This week we are honored to welcome a true inspiration to entrepreneurs and a fierce advocate for reform in the cannabis industry. So our guest has been cited by Forbes Magazine as one of the women of one of the women venture capitalists changing the world, grooming the next generation of female entrepreneurs. That's high regard, and we're talking about Jean Sullivan. He she is the co-founder of the a New York City-based venture capital firm which is where she's talking from with us today she's also a longtime tech investor and now a cannabis investor and advisor and general partner of the arcview group which for those if you don't know about arcview group an organization that has more than 600 investors focused on the cannabis sector she now serves as a general partner of the arcview venture firm so without further ado we're so happy to have somebody from arcview here on the show uh, notably eugene thanks for joining us here on plant business
0: Thank you.
1: Delighted. Our pleasure. So really happy to have you. So starting off, uh, you uh, make your way around the speaking circuit quite actively, and I know we were just talking before we got on here about the plethora of uh, engagements that you still have upcoming. But let's go ahead and take you back to some things that you had already talked about, because you have made your trek to Canada the last uh, this a couple times this past year. Let's first talk about you were on a panel that you recently spoke on, That was titled Perspectives on the Cannabis Investment Landscape. And that was at Benzinga's Cannabis Capital Conference. Take us back to what you spoke about at that show.
0: So what's fun for me is that I've been a 30-year investor in the tech world. I see tech as a proxy for what's happening in cannabis. Well, what does that mean? It means that there's the same metrics and type people and investors today as there were in the last 30 years from the dawn of the tech world. That means newbie investors, newbie entrepreneurs uh, that have really a big vision, but may not know necessarily how to be the best operator, investors throwing money at at these companies, unformed business models, uh, distribution topologies that haven't even been figured out. I see exact parallel construction. I'm fascinated by that.
1: Oh, absolutely, and you know, when you make the point about tech being infused into the conference, I mean, that's one thing that in the last couple of events I've gotten the chance to go to myself and report from. Just seeing, you know, tech industry definitely infusing themselves, the need for more information, more education, more consultancy for these businesses that, you know, they didn't come from a tech background in some cases, or. They might have a business background, but then they need to have that digital presence. So, you know, that's where you're coming from.
0: Well, it's a word of warning for both business owners and entrepreneurs and investors, because come on, we can win if we've learned some of the mistakes from the past. If you don't have that experience record, guess what? You've got to, you've got to learn it the, through, the, through the school of hard knocks. Now there's nothing wrong with that. I went to that school. But here's what's exciting. If you can align, let's say first as a business owner or entrepreneur, with other entrepreneurs who have raised money, which is very hard to do, that have built and scaled businesses equally hard. And then if you're an investor, if you can align with other people smarter or have no domain experience, one has a better chance of creating a win or let's say building their passion and dream. So I am really for that, meaning aligning with others, being part of uh, larger groups where you have the smarts, you have that camaraderie, and let's face it, we are joined by the common mission.
1: Absolutely. Now, you, again, made several visits to Canada this year, another place you also went was in Vancouver, it was for an ARCVU-hosted event this past spring. Talk to me about the feedback given now we're very close to the federal adult use civilization coming up on the horizon in Canada, what kind of broad advice are you telling those that are looking to invest right away?
0: And I, love that we're, I love that we're talking about Canada. Yes. I, I feel terrible that we as the U.S. are laggards, not leaders in the cannabis industry. As you know, Justin Trudeau is leading the world. He saw before other leaders, Uh, certainly uh, our situation. Notice I didn't use the word leader. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you laughed, glad you laughed. That cannabis can create wealth, can create wellness, can create tax revenue, and wouldn't that be a good thing? So Canada is exporting to any country where it is legal. I love taking out my iPhone and showing my photo as I got to meet one-on-one with the amazing Justin Trudeau. He was here in New York, and I'm always kind to the Canadian Consulate, helping their entrepreneurs get connected, so when the uh, right distinguished uh, Justin Trudeau came to New York, they invited me to a small group, and I got to meet him, and I laughingly share this story. I didn't even mean to say this. I looked at him and I said, "I am the face of cannabis in New York City." I laugh as I say <laughs> it <laughs> because you know what he said? He laughed out loud and he said, "I have come to learn there is no one face of cannabis." Now how's that wow. for both I know, inspiration, leadership and forward thinking. So I am thrilled. I had never been to Vancouver. Have you ever been there?
1: No, it's, I would love to go, but we have a lot is, of people we've worked with that are definitely in the uh, Vancouver, BC area. Yes.
0: It is about. absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. I had no idea. I'd always wanted to go, and I've been to Toronto twice in the last year, including uh, 2 weeks ago uh, for that second MJ biz there uh fall show, as well as that Benzinga conference you just mentioned. And I love Toronto. It's also very vibrant. And it's thrilling to see Canada putting these pieces together. Now, let me tell you the most interesting pieces, at least in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Not only, uh, as you know, and as your listeners are hearing, October 17th of this year is when they actually make the final... Uh, uh, Wave the green flag And allow adult use to happen Right And then each province Here's where I think it's so brilliant Each province decides What the distribution methodology will be So Ontario and the Maritime Times uh, Provinces already know They're going to use the liquor control board But the other provinces It looks like it's in Shoppers Mart Which is their national uh, drug store so my joke often is, um, get a Bud, buy a Bud, but then people reminded me <laughs> that it's LeBlanc. So.
1: <laughs> well, let me Jean. Gene. I want to go ahead and continue with Canada. I want to bring it up a little bit later on in our conversation, uh, yeah. t- touch back on it. But now, you have had no shortage of, bu- of publicity as of late. I mean, let's talk about you right now. <laughs> There's a lot here. But I tried to, you know, compartmentalize everything as much as I could. So first of all, you were mentioned by Business Insider as one of the rising stars of the cannabis investment scene. Quote, and this was a great line they gave for you, championing female entrepreneurs and investors in cannabis. Now, let me take a minute to run through why you're no doubt a champion. So, you're a member of the Women's Leadership Board at the Harvard Kennedy School, an Athena Entrepreneur Fellow for Barnard College, serving on the Global Board of Trustees for Astia, an organization that funds high-growth women entrepreneurs. You've spoken at the Women Grow Leadership Conference, now my next question. Several weeks ago here on Blunt Business we spoke about the lack of gender equality and the management and investment side of cannabis. And in a recent podcast, you said and I'm paraphrasing, quote, cannabis is a five point four billion dollar legal industry that women can dominate. So what makes this industry so ripe for women to dominate?
0: First of all, one very, very quick set of facts. Do you know that today there's only 24 women that are CEOs of Fortune 500 companies? Did you also know that women only get 2% of the venture capital financing? And that's US alone, and this year that number will be $100 billion invested in tech and life sciences companies. Women get 2%. So this has been going on forever in all sectors access to capital for women-founded companies is very hard and remains hard. Now, that's why I'm on the uh, Kennedy School uh, group that studies, does the seminal research around this, as well as Astia, which is a group out of California, New York, and London, and we fund women-founded businesses, not cannabis, but tech and life Mm -hmm. sciences. So I've really made a study of why? What is that? What's going on? Now, just to say this, there's no doubt that gender bias does exist. And I don't believe women should be handed money to fund their company or even run a company unless right. they know what they're doing. So I'm very strong, uh, uh, very strong view about that. But hey, where women have needed the help is both advocates and sponsorships information, education, mentorship to show them the way on how to be a leader, how to build a business, how to even go access capital. Just in the last half hour, I got an email from a dynamic woman cannabis entrepreneur. She said, I won a pitch contest. I even had people signal their interest. I have no idea how to close them. I said, I'll be back to you later today. You see, there's a certain amount of knowing what to do and how to do it that's needed. Now, that's slightly different than your good question, which, you know, where are they and how can they play? But they can play through a couple ways. One, we're active in ARCview and other groups that I touch on, certainly conferences where I speak, in getting women knowledgeable and engaging them, first of all, as investors if they so want to be. I think that's critical because women will have an eye towards other women entrepreneurs and what they're building, potentially, especially if they can build a high-growth business. The statistic I'm fascinated with is the amount of women, the percentage of investment dollars that women entrepreneurs receive. In the broader world of life sciences and tech, women only get 2% of the venture capital financing. This is amazing since this year that number's gonna be $100 billion in tech and life sciences. Well, it's the same thing in cannabis. Women do have a hard time getting access to capital. Why is that? First of all, one reason, and this is an important statistic too, is that there's very few women investors More and more, I know at Arcview and other groups where I speak or I'm part of, we are trying to promote women, if they want to invest, to show them how to be an angel investor or how to play in this industry as either an advisor or on boards. So part of it is just creating that open door and inviting people, women especially, to the table if they want that and if they're capable. And so that's what's going on that can make a difference on how to engage more women in this cannabis industry. Second of all, something that's very critical is women are the ones who make more than 85% of the purchase decisions in the household. That's important. It's really critical to understand that. But, you know, even again in the world in general, women are not in the executive levels of these companies making the decisions. And that's another fascinating point. And that could become the game changer over time that engages more women, even has an eye for more women. Uh, I think it's fun to tell this story. Uh, Back to just tech and life sciences. This Astia group that I mentioned is uh, happy to announce that they just got a new big exit. It was a woman of color who fixed and figured out a gap in women's health. She figured out how to diagnose ovarian cancer and got a large acquisition, I mean well over $200 million from Boston Scientific. When she went to VCs for funding, uh, they almost slipped under the... Desk when she said words like fallopian tubes. In other words, women have more of an eye towards things that women need. Notice women are a very active and growing group in the cannabis market as users and new users. So it takes potentially uh, smart, dynamic women to invent products that are interesting for women and let's face it it's women investors who are going to understand that so I'm for you know increasing the knowledge the insight and certainly the opportunity
1: you know it's interesting you mentioned going in the tech sector I was kind of looking back at some things Um, there was another podcast on uh, another uh, platform that talked just about tech and and venture capital and it was hosted by a host that was Graduate from the Harvard Business School, uh, you know, run, running venture VC right now, early stage VC. And I remember booking for a show and having trouble just to find female investors or finding those that are in the space because, just like you said, there's just so little of that in the space and it's just a fascinating thing that, you know, hopefully, like you said, there's things that can happen that, that this, these stats that you're, put, that you're putting out that are so validated – Will definitely be changed around. We're going to see things turn in the right direction. Uh, we got. It's uh, pretty
0: shocking. It it's is. pretty
1: shocking. Let me do this. We're <laughs> going to. I got a whole bunch of other questions to ask you about. Uh, we're going to get back into Canada. A few other things about investment. I want to go ahead and touch base with you and talk about all that and more. Here again with Jean Sullivan, the general partner of the Arc Review Group. We'll be back with her and more blunt business after this. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more blunt business. At Alternative Vibes, our core values of quality, loyalty, respect, and honesty guides us in our mission to help families find peace and harmony through our products and services. Whether you are looking for a more natural way of living, shopping essential oils, topicals, and edibles, or searching for a path towards achieving your goals, we are your choice. Learn more about our complete line of natural products and solutions at alternativevibes.com bringing quality of living to life AlternativeVibes.com. Introducing blue moon CBD straight from the bluegrass of Kentucky with our special nano emulsion process. You'll not only get the best CBD available, you'll get more of it. Not all CBD is the same. It's your body. It's your choice get relief from inflammation anxiety and stress go to www.bluemoonhemp.com and use code hemp 420 for a 20 percent discount on your order balance your body balance your life make it blue moon cbd the smoke is rising and the next crop of podcasts devoted to cannabis providers and enthusiasts are ready to be harvested Welcome to the Cannabis Radio Network. Founded by respected rainmakers who have been producing award-winning podcasts for over a decade. Industry headlines, business updates, medical reports, marketing, and e-commerce education rolled up perfectly for your consumption. Let's grow together. The Cannabis Radio Network. CannabisRadio.com I hope you didn't forget about us, because we're back. With Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back to Blunt Business. I'm back here with Gene Sullivan from the ArcView Group. So, venture capital investors from around the world, we were talking about stats. We got more figures for you. Now, Venture VC investors from around the world spent $355 million on 100 cannabis industry deals in 2017. And 2018, if it hasn't broken the record yet, it's going to. How are you consulting investors? on what sectors they should be investing in. So if it would be in the seal-to-sell route, if it should be in the business route, I mean, just in different areas of the industry itself, within.
0: As you know, it's very vibrant. In fact, this is my favorite statistic to mention. Mm -hmm. Do you know that year to date, so this is now September, there's been about $6 billion that's debt and equity that's been invested in our business. One year ago, that number was $1.7 billion. Look at how it's torquing. Now, are you mentioning I this love,
1: including Canada, or is this just uh, just in the in the States?
0: It do, no, this does it is a global number, but mostly Canada and the U.S.
1: Okay, I want to talk said, about that just, in just a few minutes. We're going to get back to that, but I have a few other uh, things just to ask you real quick. Now, uh, I've read a number of articles about cannabis investment from a mainstream perspective, and of course, we're talking yeah. about that. talking about with tech and life sciences in areas that you've worked in yourself. So they're saying things like, and I don't want to quote the articles. I don't want to, you know, put any blame or, you know, call anybody out for specific. But they're saying things like, "quote, pot firms lack the history that an investor likes to see just before handing over Uncle Joe's ten thousand dollar inheritance and hoping for the best." Shake my head when I read that. Now that's why I'm happy to have real experts like you on the program, so I can ask you, what are you really seeing about this so-called hesitation from potential investors?
0: Well, Brasco, let's face it. That's because the stigma reigns. The stigma really started in back in 1906, as you know, the Pure Food and Drug Act. It accelerated in the marijuana Tax Act of 1937, and believe me, the war on drugs really kicked it into high gear. There is no doubt that because of our lack of uh, ability to, uh, well, let's, let's face it. The number one reason is because cannabis, along with only LSD and heroin, is a schedule one drug. And that means no medical value in any way. And that's been perpetuated by the people in this country. Now, that's the, that's the ridiculous part of it. And those of us who understand the value of cannabis in many ways, from wellness to the social justice issues that are attached to it, don't believe any of that. But the big institutions, the corporations... Uh, and, uh, obviously, to date, most people in Congress, but certainly not everyone, have held on to this stigma. In other words, the fact it's still a Schedule One. That's what's keeping back the institutions and corporations and many people from investing. Just in the last week, I had a wealthy group, a non U.S. company, cu- country, excuse me, and, They said, We want to invest for some family offices, but they're afraid about both immigration issues and Uh asset forfeiture that could happen in the U.S. So, yes, the stigma exists, and that's what we can hardly wait to lift. And I predict that will indeed happen.
1: Well, we're just, you know, hopefully the United States will fall in lockstep with Canada, which we want to go ahead. And I know you wanted to talk about Canada some more, so let's do that. I'm going to come back to Canada legalization now. We have seen. As you just quoted, you know, six billion dollars in debt equity being swapped, billions of dollars alone came by the likes of Canopy Growth and Aurora Cannabis. We saw those big blockbusters deals they made earlier this year, leading up to the federal legalization. Do you see any other major changes, investment-wise, that'll come at the last minute, leading up to this uh, remarkable historical date?
0: Do you mean for Canada or for, oh, for the Canada, U.S.? Yes. Who's going to jump in
1: the mix beforehand if there's anything that you're hearing about or what could happen?
0: I've been following Canopy Growth since they brilliantly came on board. Let me just give a few interesting facts though that you might enjoy too. Do you realize Canopy Growth which is the company that is the California, I'm sorry excuse me, the Canada amazing Canada cultivator has already today a 12th billion market cap. Do you know what the revenues were at June 30th? 26 million top line. It's pretty shocking. So that's 130 times uh, uh, revenue multiple. That's a pretty amazing number. But I've heard Bruce Linton speak. He's the amazing founder and CEO, including a couple weeks ago in Toronto. They are doing fabulous things. And as Your audience needs to know if they don't know, this is the very company that Constellation Brands, the large beverage alcohol company, invested $5 billion Canadian just recently in August. This is amazing. Now, what does all that mean? That means that certainly big alcohol, big tobacco, big pharma, big banking, big tech, they are not going to miss this wave. They're just waiting to play, but obviously big alcohol has jumped in. Now, why is that? It's because in the adult use states, they have already learned that alcohol is absolutely elastic, meaning sales are down when people are using cannabis. I, I was thrilled to meet the very person who has done this, Constellation Brands investment, Uh and what he taught me was this, that they are the only beverage company that have alcohol, wine, and spirits, so why not buy the fourth category, which is cannabis? I find this fascinating, absolutely, absolutely, and certainly all the other large alcohol and beverage companies have their binoculars on and are active, looking,
1: and so, uh, and also, want to just make sight that uh, here on, on here on Cannabis Radio, we have had Bruce Linton on with us before, and I believe Jordan Sinclair has also been featured on our network on the Pumbus's program. So uh, we've gotten a chance to hear the story of cannabis growth, and you know that's an, a fascinating. That you know you're seeing people in, in other sectors, and it's just uh, an honest move, progression, evolution forward to work with cannabis, and that's a great another great example. I'm going to cite right. from the recent article that's from the Ottawa Citizen. Now they wrote, "Quote: Production estimates and financial filings suggest that even just ten of the largest cannabis producers in Canada mm. will be able to churn out around 1.8 million kilograms. That's a lot of cannabis annually by 2020 or so, assuming their construction projects all go to plan." The Department of Budget Office figures that. By 2021, it'll go up uh, as high as 734,000 kilograms. So the idea is that there might be too much supply that will grossly outweigh the demand for cannabis in Canada. Should that be something investors should be concerned about?
0: Well, it's certainly something to note. But because Canada has gotten aggressive about exporting, that's going to help things. I want to bring up two more things related to Canada that you might find interesting.
1: So you're, well, is, just, just before you go to that. you definitely think that um, there will be a chance where you might and not uh, from state to state, but we could see an export system down the line. so maybe that's something that Canada will be preparing for in the in the case that United States will or certain states will allow that kind of export. So
0: well, wouldn't that be clever? I mean, uh, as I said at the top of the call, I'm embarrassed that we are laggards, not leaders here. It's it's the way to go, and certainly I believe that will happen in time, but let's get on with the show. And it's thrilling for Canada to have this kind of leadership position. And yes, that is what's going to happen to their oversupply. They're actively working those exports, and they're exporting today. Uh, now staying with canada for a second as well as the u.s and to your good question about you know where are people pointing and how can they point because there are a lot of investments that quote don't touch the plant that actually could alleviate the problem of investors who don't want to invest in a federally illegal situation ancillary are all these companies the data companies the sensors the soil the lighting the software as a service platforms that are needed to surround these cultivators and retailers. So if you were to look at a bar chart of where the dollars are flowing, it is flowing today in cultivators and retailers, yes. But those retailers and cultivators need these ancillary products to support them for efficiency, for yield. What about the nutrients that are needed? What about the genomics and the science The science that can actually really figure out what is going on with the strains and with the seeds and create strains that are resistant to powdery mildew and other problems that are a part of this plant. And so there's lots of ways to invest, not just the cultivators. And so that's pretty exciting to tell that story, too. And, and that is one area where we're focusing, certainly.
1: Absolutely. We're here again with Gene Sullivan, general partner yep. of the Arcview Group. Got to go back out to another commercial break, but we will be back on the flip side. You're listening to Blunt Business, presented by StrainWise Consulting at www.strainwise.com, right here on cannabisradio.com. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business.
0: Ignite the conversation on some trending topics along the Cannabis Radio social media network.
1: I hope you didn't forget about us, because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back to Blunt Business here on CannabisRadio.com, presented by StreamWise Consulting. Back with our final questions with Gene Sullivan, general partner of the Arcview Group. So let's go back. We were just kind of uh, prefacing about the United States. We're going to go back. Let's turn the focus on what happens next in the future of cannabis here at home. Investors still look like they are energized. Regardless of Attorney General Jeff Sessions' rescission of the coal memo, now as an investor, what states are you keeping an eye on leading to the midterm elections? Without anything, you know, deterring us or obstructing right now, the continued growth state by state. Where do you see the newest areas of investment that will come to the forefront?
0: The way to really figure out what could be, if you're an investor or a business owner or entrepreneur, is as follows. First of all, keep an eye on the farm bill. That is coming up for a vote. It is uh, brought to the table by Mitch McConnell from Kentucky. Why is that? It's because he knows tobacco sales are off and he wants the states to grow hemp. So hemp's very much part of that. Well, much of the CBD, which is the uh, important cannabinoid that comes from hemp that's creating a lot of this wellness, Is part of this bill. I believe that because of the farm bill, as well as because of the wellness that CBD has created, and by the way, as you and your listeners probably know, this CBD product has no psychoactive properties in it. So that's why it's in favor. That could lead the way for what I believe is going to happen. I believe CBD is leading the way on removing that schedule one certainly from that and kind of opening the door in other words not strict legalization but throwing it to the state so the states can decide what's going to happen so i think that's a really big opportunity to watch for and to see
1: because obviously I the education th- just to the, the american public to get past some of the, the discussion that's out there that just is annoying big weed. Just put that word out like there's a term and throwing some kind of the stigma as before. When people could just easily be educated on the difference between CBD and THC and just see the difference and then, you know, we and I've said it before, having the proper representation within the industry those proper spokespeople, whether it's, you know, Patients, or caregivers, or doctors, or researchers, or people within the industry that can speak well and relate to the American public, so they'll see, and then they're going to be obviously, you know, pounding uh, down the uh, majority leader's door and saying, "Listen, pass the farm bill. You know, get out of the way of cannabis. Let this happen."
0: Exactly. One more important thing related. Because the first plant based FDA trial has already occurred with, guess what, not even a US based company, <laughs> GW Pharma, a UK uh, pharmaceutical company, right. that is here now. That company's here now in the US and wants to sell their Epidialyx, which is their new product. It's right. CBD only, originally uh, built to end that really severe epilepsy in kids. Now, they can't even sell it yet till it comes off schedule one. So I believe that is another driver to what's gonna happen here on this C B D issue. You're right to talk about education. People don't even understand no. the differences. But then thirdly another thing, uh you know who who's uh down in the White House uh knows that this could help him become let's say more favorable uh, to the public and potentially help with uh, even reelection. I believe that these products, both THC and CBD products will come off schedule one. I believe it will be thrown to the states and that's really gonna open the floodgates and the door finally to us having some decent laws. Look, we want testing, we want regulation, we want to tax it like alcohol and create opportunities for people.
1: Let me circle back before, when you talked about how a popular platform like this for just, for prime minister Justin Trudeau of Canada for this to be doing so well and to finally make this come to pass is just say the same thing here leadership here can see you know this is a, a this gets rid of party lines this is out of politics and just like you said it doesn't have to be just a social justice versus a wellness issue it's an issue that everybody should be able to agree on period
0: I agree. Plus, it's already been proven from studies, not pure play research, because we don't allow that here in the U.S., and I think that's shameful also, but many studies have already proven the efficacy of these products. In creating wellness, in helping people, it can absolutely even reduce some cancers. Let's do the research to figure it out. It certainly can reduce the opioid epidemic, if you break your leg, you need an opioid the first day or two, but you don't need it for the next six months. And so that's already been proven by studies. Let's do the hard research make that happen again we're laggards because israel is the center of research for this and certainly there's plenty of research going on in other countries
1: uh, god bless uh, god bless the people in israel that are doing the research over there and we're trying to keep as uh, much in touch with the groups like tikkun olam and others that are doing great work on the yeoman's work for us to get the research that we need to prove to the people here to, to really make people take notice so i got a couple of quick questions before we have to wrap up here Uh, share with us any pointers if you can briefly that you would give to any new investors ready to jump into the market from a mainstream environment right now
0: you better know what to do and how to do it i said earlier i believe in aligning with other people smarter or more experienced that have the domain expertise if i'm going to make an investment in a soil or a lighting company. I know the smartest people in the world now, because I've made it my business to know them, to corroborate the findings and the opportunity for these companies. I think it's important to not go alone, especially in these early days. And because it's complicated, there's even a lot of residency requirements you have to be aware of. There's still quirky tax rules that you better know about called 280E. And there's many restrictions. So I think it's important to know that. It's important to have good accounting and good legal support. And then, as said, you know, an investor base around you so that you can actually feel some confidence. And then it's still, you know, a big risk. Now, on the public stocks, I believe in reading voraciously. There's a lot out there that one could read. These Canadian stocks are very, very overpriced these days, as, as we've discussed. And, uh, but there's still some opportunities there, and there's new ones happening every day. So I think it means doing one's research, really being wise, standing back, and not just throwing money at it. I just don't believe in that. And there are some ETFs that are finally getting some traction, which has a portfolio of cannabis stocks within them.
1: Now, we could go on for hours, I'm sure, with this discussion. Now, there's so many different areas we can go ahead and talk to you about. But, I mean, I guess what we should do is it'll be easy for people to go ahead and ch- get a chance to meet with you and get to hear you on the road. So, of course, we said you have no shortage of appearances from what I can tell. <laughs> Where can we see you speak next, some of the next, I guess, three months or so? And how can listeners well, keep in touch with you?
0: Uh, thank you for that. <laughs> I decided I better write down my upcoming speaking sure. engagements so I could really track my calendar. At least some of the highlights. This weekend, I'm delighted to be going to the Cannabis uh, Legal Institute. There's a cannabis bar group that's meeting in Washington, D.C. this weekend. I'm delighted to be leading a whole discussion about these RTOs, reverse takeovers, and IPOs that are happening in Canada. It's pretty exciting. And that's thrilling. I'm, I'm leading a discussion with three just dynamic and very experienced lawyers. I am doing some work with uh, Jefferson University on an overview around investing. I think that's exciting. I happen to know John Hudak of the Brookings Institution very well, and so we're doing that together. That's Mm -hmm. thrilling. Next week, I'm at uh, a a great family office meeting. Noah Connor sponsors. Delighted to be part of that. Even this month, I'm back at the next Arcview Forum in Chicago, Mm -hmm. we welcome investors. To come along and it's very vibrant. Uh, what else do I have? In Boston is the big uh, World Cannabis Conference, and I'm speaking there. That's October 17th to 19th. And for anyone on the East Coast or otherwise, that's that's uh, going to be a great uh, gathering. And of course, the big conference is in November. Both ArcView does a two-day before the MJ Biz Conference oh, okay. in November. It's thrilling; twenty-five thousand people will be there, yeah. and it's just thrilling.
1: I'm pretty sure we're going to have some people going to be sent out to Vegas for that show as well. So, Gene Sullivan, general, general partner of the ArcView Group, uh, you know, thank you so much for being with us here on Blunt Business. We are so thankful for your knowledge, your expertise, and uh, we would love if, if the opportunity comes along to bring you back.
0: Thank you so much. Appreciate. The
1: time. Our real pleasure. Pleasure and a privilege. So, for our listeners, thank you for joining us here for another edition of Blunt Business. You can download past episodes of Blunt Business by going to cannabisradio.com or subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. And remember, if you want to know more about StrainWise Consulting, please visit the folks at StrainWise at www.strainwise.com. Thank you for listening.